Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. In this episode, we sit down with rapper, podcaster, and speaker Kevin K.B. Burgess to discuss his new book, Dangerous Jesus, and why the only thing more risky than getting Jesus right is getting Jesus wrong. Hey, y'all. I'm Elizabeth. I'm here with Tamarcus. Tamarcus, how you doing? I am doing well. Okay. Recovering from hitting my knee on this You did. Table, you did hit your knee. But I'm all right. Okay. Um, we are here with award-winning um, hip-hop artist, podcaster, and now author, Kevin yeah. KB Burgess. KB, how you doing, man? I am doing well. Uh, happy to be here on Culture Matters and uh, excited about uh, hopping into this new season of Author Rapper. <laughs> there you go. There you Come go. on, <laughs> Author Rapper. <laughs> really excited to have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad to be here. Um, your book is entitled Dangerous Jesus. Um, uh-huh. And what, from my reading, and Tamarca is going to share how he, his thoughts about it, is that you're trying to get us to refrain, reframe how we think about Jesus in our current yes. culture moment. And so I want to yes. start with a story that you share at the very beginning um, about your first encounter with the most dangerous man on earth. And can you share yes. a little bit about that and how that inspired the book yeah. that you wrote? Yeah, I think that what I have um, been indoctrinated in culturally, um, being a product of hip hop culture, urban culture, um, I, I I have been taught what it meant to be someone of value, importance, um, someone that matters, mm-hmm. if you will, is a, a person that that is perceived as dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you are you're able to make things happen. People fear you when you speak. Um, you're able to navigate any kind of situation you might be in with, with, with grace. Uh, and if not grace, you, you can, you, you're willing to, to take it there if you need to for violence. And, uh, I begin as a young man to try to approximate that, to try to, um, uh, incarnate that into the way that I live to no, uh, real salvation, only destruction. And the more I tried to be the the culmination of money, power, and respect, uh, the 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 further it felt away from me, and the darker my inner existence became. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I was confronted with the gospel yeah, that on. I realized uh, that the 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 kind of carnal trinity of money, power, and respect uh, is a fraudulent um, kind of counter concept to the the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you think about what it means to be at the top of manhood from where I come from, it's someone who has resources, someone that is powerful, and somebody who is respected. If you're not respected, you're at least feared. When I think about who Jesus is, Jesus is the combination of all resources. Uh, he holds the words to eternal life. Uh, God, uh, is the creator of all things. His resources are beyond measure. 
Um, and if you think about power, what are we even talking about? This is uh, <laughs> power is uh, essentially God's middle name. Um, and then respect. There is no other being in the universe that is worthy of the fear of a human being in such a way that you reverence them to worship. And God is deserving of that. He deserves that. And the kicker is he demands that and will have his cake and eat it too, for every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess uh, that Jesus is exactly who we believe him to be, um, the savior of the world. And um, that for me is a paradigm shift that if you're looking for those who you would consider dangerous in the way that they're powerful, they're well-resourced, they make things happen, things change. Oh, stop. No, look no further. The Lord Jesus Christ has that in infinite measure. Uh, He is the one that deserves our reverence, our fear. He's the most dangerous man that ever lived. Mm. You just passed the plate. <laughs> Come on, man. Now we trying to raise money for the second wing of the church. Come on, Come second on, wing of the church ain't Come gonna on. build itself. Come on, but that, but that's real. I mean, even and I, I feel this in your music. I felt this reading the book. The way you uh, were able to contextualize um, the gospel. I mean, even just the way you just articulated. I think is one of the um, more power, powerful ways that you. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, that you write and, and and bring across your ideas in this this piece. Uh, one mm. thing uh, that I think stuck out um, to me in particular was, I don't know, there there's a level of transparency even as you uh, write and and talk about even your kind of your journey and arriving to some of these thoughts, which I really appreciated because I felt like every, every time I hit one of those like italicized points, I'm like, this is. Everybody can be like, mm, yeah, that's like that's my end of thought too. Uh, wow, maybe help me see like what was because uh, there's there's a way, especially I mean you you the one with the pen, you can determine the flow and where things go. Uh, what what was important to you about kind of exposing and sharing some of those moments as you as you wrote? I think uh, good question, brother. I think um, uh, if you have listened to my music over the last decade, I spend a lot of time talking um, very uh, from front facing. I'm, I'm, I'm not really very introspective. I'm, I'm talking a whole lot uh, about I'm, I'm, it's like pastoral music. I, I'm how a pastor would lead, how you're trying to point people to God. You can connect it to issues in their own lives. But typically a pastor, unless he's using an analogy, isn't going deep in his his struggles and his pains and his fears and his concerns. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that in my career, if you contrast me with a, uh, another artist in our space who I really respect, Andy Minio. Mm-hmm. Andy Minio, his music, it feels like you're sitting down with him at a, at yeah. a Starbucks and he's just having a conversation. He's just talking to a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for me, it, it it's my, my music um, has, has felt more like you're, you're talking to a teacher mm-hmm. or a counselor. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I have wanted to do is um, I want an opportunity where I could I could have that friend conversation, um, be more vulnerable. Um, also, somebody that is like committed to, to being a thinker, um, you don't want to be misunderstood. And it's difficult right. in music to um, to fully paint what you mean. Yeah. Every it's like a it's like throwing red meat out into a 
uh, an audience of, of hungry uh, crocodiles. Everyone's looking to grab a piece to bring it towards their own thing. Mm-hmm. You got conservatives want to make this. Uh, I did an interview for a website one time and I talked about the ways in which I struggled with secular hip hop. They took that thing, mm-hmm. made the whole headline. KB slams all secular hip hop, you know, and like <laughs> everyone's looking to pull you into yeah. their agenda. Yeah. And I don't like that, even though I know I can't avoid it. It just comes right. with the, the territory. Right. Um, so I try to be as careful as I can. And I felt like in the book, here's the, one of the first times that I get to introduce people into who I am. I had a, a dude come to me at church on Sunday um, who I've known for like eight years. And um, he pre-ordered the book. And he so he was only he was able to read the introduction. Yeah. Right. And he said this in the introduction, he learned all these things about me that he didn't know. Mm. Um, so I'm 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 actually um yeah, I'm I'm excited to have more of a conversational approach uh, where I can be a little more vulnerable and tell people my particular story and and hopefully they can find theirs and mine. And as you think about this conversational piece and, you know, what I get the image is we're just we're sitting down with you and through hearing your stories and really this journey um, that I feel like we get to um, benefit from in the like the, the how you've matured in your thoughts about these things. Like, I feel like we're not getting something that that's super brand new, mm-hmm. like these yeah. ideas you've been sitting on and thinking on and marinating for a while. And when you think about that conversation, who are you writing for? Um, I I know as authors, we want everybody to read our stuff, Mm -hmm. but there is a person in mind that we're trying to reach with our art. And so who are you trying to reach with this project? Yes. Good question. And I actually, um, for a long time, I've made that a discipline, no matter what I'm working. I'm working on a song right now Mm -hmm. uh, on friendship. And as I'm writing, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the friends that uh, I want to hear this and be encouraged and Mm -hmm. tell their stories through how they've impacted me. And that's how I, I wrote this book as well. So for one, I think that I'm a part of a community of believers that ain't going nowhere. We love Jesus. Like we, we, we've been, we've been convinced of who he is. Our theology is developing. There may be some arguments we had that aren't as firm as we thought they were, but there really isn't anything that's going to come our way to stop us from holding on to Jesus. We've met him. We can't deny our, our walk with him. I, 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 in my album, I, 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 in, my, in my intro, I talk about how we're still waiting for Jesus to come back. It's been 2,000 years and we're not tired. We're not mm-hmm. tired of waiting. Mm-hmm. Why are we not tired? Because we walk with him daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it's not as if I'm waiting to meet him in heaven only. Uh, we, we, get, we have a relationship with him now. So that group of people that feel that way, but... Mm-hmm. They are just cringing at the way Jesus is misrepresented. They are cringing at the Christians that are accusing them of everything, being woke or critical race theorists or liberal or or somebody. They're they're cringing at what is called Christianity in the mainstream kind of expression, uh, in in mainstream expressions. They're cringing and they're looking for like resources mm-hmm. that can help them navigate those misrepresentation waters where they can, they have, that's what my podcast is. Southside rabbi yeah. is just what people are like, Hey, you think this, this is what I believe. We'll listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. So I wrote it for them. I also wrote it for Gen Zers and millennials who have deconverted, who, mm-hmm. who have 
the, their main kind of, you know, uh, you know, relationship with Jesus has been so mangled, so misappropriated, so confused. It's been mm-hmm. so confused that they can't even recognize who Jesus is anymore. They just know they don't want anything to do with that Jesus. And I think in a lot of ways in the conversations that I've had is that people are oftentimes walking away from a Jesus that doesn't even exist because that Jesus mm. was the, the fabrication of somebody's, uh, you know, cultural tradition or somebody's political leaning or, yeah. or somebody's, you know, you know, you make G God makes us in our own image and we make him into ours. Um, and, so I want to say, no, wait, hold on. The Jesus that you want to love, the, the Jesus who you're walking away from is actually much different, different from the Jesus that you've held. And I want to mm. show you that Jesus that you might bow and worship them. And then there's just the non-believer that's skeptical of Christianity in general. That's just like, I don't, I think that Jesus is dangerous in a negative way. We, we should get away with him. I want to mm. show you how, fly, advantageous, how kind, how good, um, uh, how attractive the Jesus that we fall in the love, we fall in love with actually is. Um, so those are the three, uh, three, uh, individuals I got in mind when I'm, when I'm writing the book. I, I mean, I definitely can see, um, to use your analogy of sitting at the coffee table, I can see all of those, those people sitting in the room. It's clear that you've, um, written with those people in mind. Um, one of the things uh, that you talk about in your book, right? So uh, we're talking about uh, the most dangerous man being Jesus. Um, and you uh, refer to in the book, you say the kind of dangerous that is so infused with power from on high that nothing stays the same when he walks into the room. Um, right. Which is, I think that's just such a such a powerful Amen. statement. Um, Amen. Why you, is there a, a need for us to reframe how we think about Jesus, seeing him um, and his gospel as dangerous, right? There's a, I'm imagining there might be some that's like, oh, like, is this just like a provocative, you know, clickbait kind of title mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? right? And it's like, no, like there's some, in feels like there's some intentionality uh, behind it. And I, I guess why why that word and, and why reframing it in, in that sense? Uh, what is it? What can that awaken um, yeah. and, and what's missing? Yeah. I think when we uh, one of the one of the I think good examples of what I was hoping the title would communicate is uh, C.S. Lewis's um, Chronicles of Narnia, where he when he just when Aslan is being described mm-hmm. that the Aslan is this lion that is obviously good, but he's not safe. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You can touch his paws and feel the comfort of the fur that wraps his his hands. But make no mistake that that there are claws in those paws, that there are fangs in his mouth, that he is a force that doesn't need. And this is uh, the borrow analogy from C- uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon. Um, lions don't need to be defended, that you just let them loose. They defend themselves. And I think in some respects that God is like that lion, that. He, for those who love him, those who come to him, uh, is a safety, a refuge, a protection. Um, He is a shield. Uh, To be with him is to be safe. When Mm -hmm. I think about um, 
uh, just as uh, by way of analogy to kind of paint this picture, uh, I think about if you have a star athlete on your team, you know, uh, basketball court, boxing, football field, uh, tennis, whatever. If you have a star athlete in your stable, that that star is a danger to the other team. They mm-hmm. will call that person. Oh, he, he that mm-hmm. she dangerous or he's dangerous. They're a threat to the threats. Yeah. At the same time, they are championship <laughs> to their own team. They are secure safety to their own team. And what God is, is what Jesus is, is a threat to all the things that threaten us. Mm-hmm. That when, when, when he comes to the table, evil is under pressure. Injustice is under precious pressure. The lack of love is under pressure. Unforgiveness is under pressure. Hell is under pressure with Jesus to the point that it will all be eradicated in the kingdom. And what I'm saying is, if you see Jesus as a threat to all the things that threaten us, you trust him when he says to you, here is my cross that for you to bear. And in bearing that cross, you will become someone that is a force for all unimaginable good in this world. Mm-hmm. You'll be a force for unimaginable redemption, reconciliation in this world. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I know it's risky because there's so much in us that yeah. wants to hold on to our own way, wants yeah. to hold on to how things have always been. There's so much in us that is recalcitrant towards the ways of righteousness. So there's a kind of risk to surrender, but God is calling you to surrender to him who will keep you safe. And he becomes Mm -hmm. the force that changes everything through your witness. And what I'm saying in this, the the title of this book is that that is an important concept for Christians to grab hold on that we are coming in, not as um, folks that are longing for your respect. Uh, We're, like I said, I'm just quoting myself. I'm sorry. This is arrogant, <laughs> but I don't need respect. I am the threat. We mm-hmm. are bringing, we're bringing yeah. the, the the change to the world. We're not negotiating mm. as we live our lives. So God is with us. He's not negotiating himself around the church. If the church wants to make him in his own image and run with that, go ahead, but he will have no parts of it. Mm. But those who will give themselves to him, he will bring life. He will bring his presence. He will bring revival. Now, the flip side of that is, that's why I chose the word dangerous, is that dangerous also means what it means in a negative sense. Because if you do try to make God and Jesus in your own, try to make Jesus in your own image, and you run with that, you become dangerous to this world. Mm-hmm. And that's, I talk about that in the book, how Frederick Douglass pointed that out in the Antebellum South, yeah, yeah. that slaves, Christian slaves, would pray that their masters didn't become Christians. Mm-hmm. Because if they did, typically when they do, they become worse people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, to, this is an angle that I'm bringing to the culture, mm-hmm. to the conversation, is it's touche when people hollowed out Christianity, they extracted Christ from it, the yeah. presence of Christ. And all you had is the shell of power and influence. You often, uh, the result of that was often oppression um, for the culture and for ourselves. We are worse off following a Christless religion. Mm. Um, and so in that way, it's dangerous for good or it can be dangerous for yeah. bad. That. 
I want to push a, push a button on something you just brought up because it, yeah. it hit me when I was reading the book. Um, and I, I think it's really important when we, when we talk about the cultural moment and even the audience that you're writing to, um, right. that there is this kind of underlying narrative that's like, um, um, I'll just be frank, even like a friend of mine hit me up, a, I want to say a few months ago, I'm driving home from work and he's like, yeah, man, uh, have you like have you ever felt like and this is one of my I mean we grew up in the church together you know um uh, what do you want to call it we I would have put him in a camp with you like there's a group of us that like we're not going anywhere and he's right. like man do you do you feel like there's any merit to like our ancestors being like hoaxed into this christianity thing mm. and i remember i remember being um less stunned at the question, more stunned at who it was coming from, and then also that it yeah. that it was just, like, taking root like that, you know? Right. Um, and immediately, like, started to dig, and something that you said started to become true to me is, like, when you really look at the faith of those like a Frederick Douglass and just yeah. and the, the church in general um, in that time, it's like they couldn't have been hoaxed into that. Because what they yeah. were, what they were, what they were um, embodying was so different from what was around them, and you talk, you talk about how that has um, yeah. sh- shaped so much of so much of your understanding. Could you just like press into that a little? A yeah, little definitely, definitely. Um, I think what was happening with the uh, the persecuted church in America, the only, uh, I would argue, um, if not the only, one of the only persecuted churches in America, which w- that, that was the, the slave church in, um, in, in the antebellum South, um, the antebellum period. Now, th- th- it's so funny. I have never heard, or, or I've only heard one theologianist share how the underground church was in America. Um, we, we only see it like in restricted nations, but we don't, we see America as a place of, you know, people were able to worship freely and, and there was nothing but liberty and, and Jesus was protected here, but not if you were a black Christian in the South, um, not, not just in the South. I mean, it's it nationwide. There were issues for people who were trying to just live for Jesus. Um, they were persecuted by other Christians, which we often forget is the context in which Jesus said that we should prepare ourselves for. Mm-hmm. We should prepare ourselves for a Christian per- persecution that is not coming from other religions, mm-hmm. but coming from people who think they're serving your God. That's mm-hmm. what Jesus said. The day will come when they will put you to death in my name. Mm-hmm. So uh, the underground church in America is, a, is, is in direct connection to the first century church because in the first century church, uh, people were... Um, were were um, persecuted for 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 following Jesus, and though friends and family and children were being killed um, for walking with Jesus, there was still a persistent hold on this faith, hmm. and that became a. That be, that's what launched Christianity to the world yeah. is that this doesn't make sense. I, I sat with a gentleman is actually one of my best friends um, during after George Floyd was was murdered. Um, he uh, he came to my house, African-American brother. I had no idea he was in a faith crisis. Um, mm-hmm. He's he he like me and many people I know 
have been have been discipled and theologized by a group of individuals who seem to be hostile to the idea that racism is a problem in this country. Um, that hostile towards the idea that that police reform is is needed. Hostile to the anything that sounds like. Uh, uh, I remember when social justice wasn't even a bad word. Mm -hmm. Social justice was a word that was used in in the early church. Uh, not to mention the ESV. I, I point out in the book that the ESV version of the Bible, the, the, the reform standard of the Bible has the word on social phrase on social, social justice in the old Testament. But anyways, when it became a bad thing, it became the, the, this, this, what the left is doing. And if you're talking about, you know, you know, treating people fairly, you're, you're talking about, you're a socialist and, and, and you're LGBTQ, all that stuff. When that happened, it brought crisis to him. Mm. And, um, he came to my house and he asked the question, he said, given the way Christianity spread, and the fact that there are so many black and brown people in this world who haven't even had access to the gospel. Do you think there's going to be more white people in heaven than black people? That are we not only going to be a minority here? Not only will we be, and the words of Franz Fanon, the wretched of the earth here, we will be the wretched of the earth. We will be the, we'll be the minority in heaven. And, um, and I begin to, to pull that back. I begin to talk to him about the ways in which God is doing things all over the world, uh, particularly in the way that the church started, that it went from east to west, not west to east. But that's another conversation. But what struck him was, struck him was not my apologetic. What struck him is that I really believe this stuff. Like the fact that I am holding on to this despite some of the people who I've looked up to that have poured into me, they have discipled me, are one to kick me out of the church because I'm not Republican enough. Mm -hmm. And I still love the Lord. And, I and I'm not turning away from his, his values and his principles. Now I'm discipling my children in it. That witness that in, even though much smaller in comparison to early church into what the slave, what, what Christian slaves went through. But I think that it's still the same principle that in despite despite the misrepresentations, despite the abuse, despite the darkness, I'm still holding on to the light, that that is a witness in and of itself. Mm. And that in a, one of the strongest witnesses that, that uh, I would argue maybe the strongest witness um, that, that you can have for winning those around you or showing the credibility of the faith. Whenever we're trying to test, uh, you think about commercials where they are testing uh, how, you know, I think about like the, uh, um, all those, uh, infomercials on how there are certain glues that can hold anything together. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They, you know, put two trucks, you know, <laughs> truck and they're holding it. Look how it's, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you try to show mm -hmm. that this thing can work under yeah. pressure, yes. that it still does what it's supposed to do when you would expect it not to. Um, and that's what we saw in the antebellum south mm -hmm. and in the, the faith of people like frederick Douglass and lemuel haynes um i think that it's important to note that their their the racial aggressions that they dealt dealt with were not microaggressions mm -hmm. um and i'm not making light of people that have that i i hate microaggressions i've i've i have been discouraged in the microaggressions but i'm just saying you know th this is people biting, uh, sending dogs to bite you. There are hoses on your back. And then the church is still leading the charge of justice in the world. Mm -hmm. In light of all of that. And what I'm saying is that that kind of faith, we need to, 
We need to get a sample of that and put it under a microscope mm-hmm. and and understand what that is. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm hoping that this book is a piece of the DNA of that kind of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of faith. And 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 I'll just say this too, you know, it, it was it was it was more than them just continuing to to hold to orthodoxy mm-hmm. and continuing to attend church and evangelize and disciple their children. They were having birthday parties. I, it, mm-hmm. I I can get, I can have, I I could like stub my toe, and want to ruin my plans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like 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 they were they were, they were having birthday parties. They were getting married, which was illegal. They were jumping the broom. They were they they they, they were they were writing songs. They were writing poems. They they were they were they were they were creating things. Uh, much of the tools that we use today came from the ingenuity of black people to. To, to basically, because of, of, of our intelligence, using that to craft a, a easier way to solve issues without resources, you know, like all of that driven by an undeniable hope that isn't just merely human. It's mm. of heaven. Yeah. It, it's, it's of the kingdom. Mm. And, and, we, and, I want, and, and we're wrong to not give Jesus credit for that. We wouldn't be here mm. without Jesus's influence, not through the. <laughs> the, the teaching of masters, but through the teachings of the Holy Spirit. Many yeah. of them didn't even have Bibles like the early church. Folks didn't have Bibles in the early church. Um, they were meeting with God. Jesus was present in their lives. Um, and I, and I think in a lot of ways, I want to be a part of the, 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 the podcast, the authors, the rappers, the mm-hmm. preachers, the teachers, the entrepreneurs, that are helping people to discover that kind of faith, which is the only faith that is actually authentic. You know, as I, as I was reading through your book, you know, what I got, whether you were talking about how this idea of reframing what we think about Jesus for racism or nationalism or immigration or joy or idea of suffering right. or yeah. identity, yeah. It, it gave yeah. this really powerful vision of what God has called us to through the gospel. You know, you think yes. about, you know, the courage of enslaved people and the courage to right. believe that even though what they were hearing about Jesus was truncated, um, taking yes. out the parts of freedom and deliverance and pushing forward um, uh, lies about oppression, that they had courage to believe in the Holy Spirit who was walking with them. Yes, um, And it is that courage that pushes us forward because right. we live in a world that wants to exist contrary to the things of God. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and I think sometimes that we can become lulled to sleep yes. in our culture because we just kind of join with that. Um, and we have, you create this, you talk about this in this framework of the Christianity of Christ and the Christianity of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I think much of the reason why some of these, some of these, we don't have the courage or we don't mm. step out in that same way is because maybe we enjoy um, the vision of Christianity that has been given to us by the world and mm. not the cost of following mm. Christ and stepping into this vision of restoring this place of shalom, the work that God gives us um, right. as kingdom citizens. And it just is, what are some of those distinctives that you see um, in our culture, yes. whether it's through music, art, media, whatever it is, of the Christianity of the land versus the Christianity of Christ? And 
how can we become easily lulled into the wrong place, which is the Christianity of the land? Yeah. That's awesome. So I think, uh, so ways that the Christianity of Christ is different from the Christianity of the Lamb, um, which is a framework that I pulled from Frederick Douglass um, that I, I kind of set the whole book on is the whole book is walking through these different topics from friendship and community and church and love and uh, issues of, of justice, um, so on and so forth. Uh, but discerning the ways Christian, the Christ's Christianity differs from the land's Christianity. Um the, the easiest way to point that, the, 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 most, the, the lowest hanging fruit of the difference is the way that the, um, the political landscape has hijacked Jesus for the purpose of um, gathering power for um, Assad. Um, and, um, and I talk about that even in the book because um, I know for some people, uh, to be conservative is a part of what it means to uh, to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and and I I talk in the book of, a lot about the ways in which conservatism or uh, right wing or even far right wing um, kind of this that incestual relationship that that exists between them and the church creates a problem for the for for your own faith um, it creates a problem for uh the 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 kingdom moving forward um in our midst uh, because Jesus is a global savior he, he is not just the American he, Jesus does not have an American flag pin on his suit at, in heaven right now he, as my, my homie I mean says he's not whistling God bless America uh he is a omnipotent, omnipresent um, uh, uh, um, uh, Lord and Savior of universal proportion. Um, And it's important to not simply think that what's best for Christians is what's best for America, okay? Because if you you do that, you're going to cut out significant portions of the kingdom agenda for Christians in this world. If you know, I, I, um, we, we, I'm, I'm of an immigrant commu- community. I, I serve in an immigrant community. Um, I don't think, even for those who have been able to become citizens, uh, those who are working through citizenship, none of them, including myself, are saying that that nations should not have borders, that that people should come flooding in without any kind. All the things that that whenever you say we need to do a better job loving foreigners. Whenever you say that, then because you're so politicized, all you hear is uh, AOC, okay? All you hear is somebody on the left. All all you can think of is you guys want a a nation of lawlessness, antinomianism. And what I'm saying is that paradigm has a shift. You can't be offended by us trying to be better lovers of foreigners. And that if we don't come to the table, policies aside, but if we don't come to the table principally hmm. saying, number one, our bias is love for others. That's that's that, that's us, man. We, we're constantly falling in that ditch, loving others in ways that's not as wise as we should be. And pray for us. If, if that's not <laughs> our bias, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, 
Then we and, and I and I'm being honest and saying I need to grow in that. Yeah. Okay. I I Likewise. I I've been discipled in a way for a, a a good portion of my Christianity that had the love of others as charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 mercy ministry is is simply volunteering. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not core to what it means to know God, walk with mm-hmm. God, to actually be a person that belongs to God. It's not core to that. What's core to that is what, how accurate is your Trinitarian theology? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that will kick somebody out the kingdom for, but, but not that they lack love. And, 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 you know, hear me, do you have the text in the scripture that says that if your theology proper isn't sharp enough, God will throw you in hell. Where is that verse at? I'm not saying theology proper doesn't matter. All I'm saying is that your doctrines believed are not the core of what it means to walk with Jesus. It is actually the life of Christ, the law of Christ being fulfilled in your love for God and neighbor. And we want to lean towards that. And if the the Christianity of the land would have its way, we wouldn't even be thinking about that. We wouldn't, it, it would be, uh, as as has been said so many times, America first. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, it's individualism first. It's not collective at all. And what I'm saying is not that I have all of the answers of exactly how that works in every single situation, but I'll tell you at least one answer. Mm-hmm. One answer is that we need to become people who are principally lovers of others, yeah. lovers of foreigners, lovers of weak lovers of vulnerability of the vulnerable lovers of those who are outside lest we be in danger of not knowing god at all mm. okay so and i and i would say that's a key attribute of the christianity of christ and then to your your other question um the the lull of the being lulled to street uh l- l- excuse me lulled to sleep that's all our issue i uh was at a the, the church that I spent most of my formative years um, as a new believer at. It was a great church. Um, and um, in fact, I'll, I'll say there's Crossover Community Church, Pastor Tommy Colonian. Mm-hmm. Pastor Tommy is, is uh, I still consider him my pastor. I still go to him for past, for shepherding. Uh, the, I love that church. Um, I was there when it was a small urban church in the hood and then went to another church that's still in the hood. Uh, but it bought a toys, they, they bought a Toys R Us building, gutted it out, put this beautiful facility. Anyways, I remember when, after I got married, uh, it seemed like the Lord was calling me, uh, to another church, a smaller church. Um, and, uh, Pastor Tommy sent me out, uh, and I was excited about getting down to like, you know, this is like, I'm going, I'm starting to go into this church. The carpet doesn't really match the chairs. You know, there, there's not, there's no sound system. There's no smoke. I don't think we have smoke machines, but there's no hate. <laughs> but the spirit in there. It's just, the, it's just us and Jesus. It's us and the spirit. <laughs> and I, remember, I remember being excited about that until I got there. So mm. I, I, I got there and I was like, oh my gosh, it's a little, AC is a little too cold. I don't know if they did they. <laughs> They thought through like what people like temperature wise, and and I'm like, man, I, the singing is bothering me a little bit. Like, as an artist, I feel like you know, and I I rem- I, I I felt like all the things I was critiquing about other churches about hey, I ain't focused on the right things. Mm-hmm. I found myself struggling with it when I got to the church that, I, and I've been at this church for over ten years now, uh, and the church is uh, 
the, the everything matches now, which is great. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great church, uh, uh, Living Faith Bible Fellowship, uh, Pastor Daryl Williamson uh, and, and uh, Pastor Randall. But anyways, I realized that many of the things that we critique, we actually enjoy that they haven't been changed. The things that we say need to change, we enjoy that they have not been changed. Mm. And I think that's one of the, the, the ways in which we get low to sleep where we become people of rhetoric, um, but because the, 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 it's risky and uncomfortable to pursue a different reality. Um, and we got to be, you know, we, we got to be cognizant of, of our, our own hearts in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love I love that you say that. I, I felt that constant, um, again, going just to your transparency in the book, that constant pool of like um, calling us uh, to step out into this this dangerous um, thing as we follow follow Christ and what he's truly called us to. And, you know, in, in a moment where somebody reading might feel like, man, like, yeah, but like, wh- like, where is he? And like you, you expressing like, hey, like, I get it. It's dangerous. I had to count the cost myself, you know? Yeah. Um, particularly uh, you in, in one of the chapters, you dropped this, this fire line of just surrender is the lifeblood of the dangerous Christian's life, um, yeah. which was beautiful. Um, but in it, and it came within a context. You shared this story um, of of your wife, kind of um, uh, giving giving you a little plot twist when you were considering going on this trip to Africa, yeah. uh, which was just great. Maybe if you mind, maybe sharing a little bit more about that story, and then maybe even yeah. how um, how your wife has just uh, you know helped and come alongside and and, and taught you as you've um, grown in some different areas in faith. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, uh, you're referring to this story of, uh, when I went on this mission trip, um, mm-hmm. years ago, um, where I didn't want to go because there was, it was too risky. It was a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't say it was too risky, but there was a lot of risk involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, namely, um, you know, you're in the middle of the jungle and, um, and the, just, I've been to, I've been to jungles before. It's just that, this country was, it was very, very unstable. Um, had just finished up its second civil war. And, um, so I, I didn't want to go at first, uh, but it was clear that God was calling me there. Um, and, uh, so my wife was this voice, uh, that, that really encouraged me over the top. And, um, and I went, um, confident that God would, uh, I was believing God would bring me back home safely. Um, but, but, if there was, if, if, if that was not the case, that my wife would be safe, our, our, our mm-hmm. faith would be, be safe. Um, you know, it's funny. I talk about that story in the context of the, the being willing to surrender to the scary place. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really what I was using as an analogy for, I think about for, for young people, there's so many things. In fact, I was thinking about this last night. Um, cause I, I'm, I should probably be around about 190 pounds, and I'm creeping up right now to about 205. And um, and and it's and I'm still working out, I'm still training, I'm still boxing, but it's just but the, I'm, locks. the locks. The locks are heavy too, yeah. yes. Um, but I've been I've been doing a bunch of concerts, so I I've I've like, you know, ain't nothing open after mm-hmm. at late, you know, mm-hmm. except like terrible stuff and stuff that I criticize other people for eating. And um, so, anyways, I was thinking, but last night, I this week I was like, okay, okay this week putting in some, some structure. We're going to eat healthy. I got to get down. I can't be this heavy. Um, cause it starts to fit pressure on my knees, my back, you know, uh, it's just not good. And, um, and I was going to order food and I was like, 
looking through Uber Eats and uh, I was like, man, everything that's healthy, I don't want. Like, I, don't, I don't want a salad. I, I don't want a, uh, a bowl with, with just grilled salmon. I want a cheeseburger. You know what I'm saying? Amen. And, uh, and it just, you know, I know that's everybody can relate to that, but it, it's got me thinking like, man, there is so much that our natural leanings is towards what's not good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, and, and I got to, after I, or I did order something, I ordered a healthy bowl. And when I got done finishing eating the bowl, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm fuller, faster. This was delicious. I got food for tomorrow, for, for tomorrow. I would not have known that I'm going to feel grateful that I didn't get that burger on the other end, unless I just went and got the bowl. Mm. And, and that's a, a kind of trite analogy, but I'm just saying that the Christian life is like that in a lot of ways mm. that you, we're not good at discerning the joy we're going to feel after obeying mm. or, or the, the fullness that's we're going to feel after we followed, after we've done the hard thing, after we've sacrificed. I'm looking at my bank account. If I give this money away, all I can discern right now is that I'm going to have this much less money. You know what I'm saying? But you don't think about the ways in which you're going to honor God, become a better giver, become, you, you got to get your relationship with money under control too. You, you got to be able to, to not be owned by your money. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? You got to have moments where you give it away. You got to have moments where you have less of it or when you have more of it and you, and you don't start splurging. All of these things are helping you, but you don't get to that unless you go to the scary place. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what my wife in a lot of ways has uh, she's been able to encourage and help me um, where, you know, um, you know, where where I didn't want to or did, was it natural for me to kind of do the right thing. And that's what friends do. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I, I wish I didn't talk about my, I didn't talk about my wife in the friendship chapter, the dangerous friendship um, chapter. But I, I should have because she she's been a friend to me um, in that respect. Uh, they help you with the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's real good. Yeah. It's this idea of, uh, and you talk about it, um, radically reordered social relationships. Yeah, um, yeah. And how the community of God helps us be who we're called to be in a world in which doing that is just really hard. Um, Whether that which we have to surrender is our own personal desires and comforts or it's real loss, like the loss of friendship, the loss of jobs, the loss of business opportunities. I think what what entices us so much to hold on to power is because of the benefits of that power. Um, Yes. And the need to give it up, man, that's great and and glorifies the Lord, but it also means you'll be someone without power and or the power that the world loves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I think the benefit of community and you shared about your wife, have there been any other relationships that have been formative to you in the development of this is, this is um, a vision of Christianity that I'm willing to step into no matter the cost. And these are the people that have come around me to help Mm -hmm. me become that type of person. Absolutely. Um, So uh, I, uh, from fairly early on in my walk, I have been uh, graced with men who were godly, um, and mature, um, seasoned. Um, and I learned very early on, that was one of the verses I even knew as a kid that there was safety found in the counsel of the godly. Mm-hmm. And I turned that into a discipline where like, I just want to, 
I, I feel safe when I'm around those who've went before me. Um, yeah. And uh, so from a very young age, very young Christian, rather, I have had mentors, pastors. Um, I've never been um, uh, I've never bristled at therapy or counseling. Um, I've had good. We did. My wife and I did pre-engagement counseling, pre-marital counseling and marital counseling. <laughs> Um, so I've always been, I'm, 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 I'm in therapy annually. Uh, I, I talked to my therapist two days ago. I had a session two days ago. Um, it's just a line item. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then good pastors, particularly, um, for the last 10 years, pastor Daryl Williamson, um, he has faithfully shepherded a small church here in Tampa. That's actually growing exponentially right now. Um, but, uh, but I've 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 had him on speed dial. I've traveled with him. I've, I've picked his brain. Um, I uh, I don't think that I've disagreed with him for ten years. I think like the first time I like, <laughs> like, like disagreed with him was like last year. Um, first disagreement ever. Um, not it's not that it wasn't yeah. that that I've disagreed some, but not in a significant way. Yeah. I, I I've just been good at I've given myself to be a learner and a mm-hmm. student and a follower mm-hmm. um, for years. And, um, and I think that I've found safety in that security in that, and I've been formed in that, um, having people around you that are challenge that can challenge you, um, people around you that you don't feel comfortable. I was watching a documentary with my wife last night on the Murdoffs, the, the, the whole, uh, trial that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And the, this, uh, it was talking about these teenagers on a, on a boat, um, drunk out of their mind. And at one point, one, a boyfriend, uh, someone, this is a couple on there. Uh, the boyfriend hits his girlfriend in front of all his friends. And I, and I thought about that. I just was like, if you were in my, and I got a, a pretty strong community. I got some apple of my eye, two or three people that are like, these are dudes that know every single thing about me. And then it kind of expands out to probably about a hundred or so, uh, brothers and sisters. And, uh, if you were to do anything like, first of all, if you were just getting publicly intoxicated around any of us, they would love you enough to stop you before you got on a boat and started driving us around, let alone strike somebody, girlfriend or not. There's so many things that are, that can't, that would suffocate in our community, in our community, because mm. we just don't allow them. Not that we don't mm. get tempted or struggle or have falls, but a lot of those things get contained by a community of yeah. people who are committed to the aroma and culture and vibe and spirit of Jesus. So I think that those have been some of the most formative things for me uh, that I point to why I am here. And that needs to be, that's why it was important for me to write about friendship as biblical friendship, uh, as another way of thinking about koinonia, the, the, the bond, the unity, the participation that we have with one another in the church, because the church has been so good to me, because that's what the church should be to, to all of those, not a place of perfection, but, but certainly a place, a place of formation and, and, um, and safety. So anyways, yeah. That's fire. Yeah. I'm going to end with a fun one. Um, because again, we said at the beginning, your music has blessed me, uh, like on the playlist, uh, Christian hip hop. I'm not big of a, like a CCM. And so people ask me for like gospel artists. I'm like, I can't help you, but I can help you with <laughs> Christian hip hop folks. <laughs> um, I love it. Um, writing a book is a work, like a labor of love. 
Um, yes. And so how was that art creation process similar, different, easier, harder than what you have done with music? Yes. So let me just, and I'll get out. This is a hot take and I, I'm going to give this to y'all. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> writing the book um, was way easier than making an album to me. Okay. Mm. Um, I, I wrote majority of the book in two months and, and because I, I had to go on tour. So I had to, yeah. I, I was sitting in my, in my, sitting on my patio for eight hours every day, writing and loving it. I uh, just, yeah, oh, yes. Oh, oh, I can say it like this. And, oh, let me, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if this book does well and I become like an author for real, <laughs> bye-bye hip hop. All right? Oh, man. <laughs> I got a conflicted interest. No, no. You won't, you won't see me at another show ever. You understand me? <laughs> I'm going to do one show here. It'll be in Tampa. And y'all have to all fly to see me. Okay, it's gonna be like a, a one year residency for one night. Okay, <laughs> so y'all better pray this book don't do well because uh, by, hey, I'm out of here, buddy. <laughs> That's real. Oh, we want your book to do well, but we still want you to make music. So we gonna ask the Lord to work it out. Yeah, like Lord, give like a me- like let it do relatively well. So it's yeah. just good enough. Just that enough. He, that he keeps just writing, enough. but not well, so still good. Need that single, yeah. You know, just every couple of years, doing it down. You know, just give us a CD every couple of years, and then disappear yeah. to write more books. Um, KB, uh, it has been just a really rich conversation just to talk with you about just this idea of what it means to reframe how we think about Jesus in light of the moment that we're in. Um, Is there anything else that you would want to share with our readers or or potential people who might pick up your book? Um, Well, you know, just to be a good partner um, with Tyndale uh, and success for that matter, uh, I encourage you to buy it and buy several copies, hand them out. Um, I wrote the book uh, to be a a tool that, Mm. Uh, it's it's a it's a um, you know a weapon for um, for the kingdom and and I and I pray that you would help me to spread the word about it and uh, um, and yeah so I would say that the second thing is man all things with prayer and uh, yeah. I, I th- that's one of the areas where um, um, my my weaknesses um, um, you know kind of emerge and I, I want so badly. Uh, for the Lord to find a church uh, uh, that's filled with people that pray, that mm-hmm. pray often, because you know, that's the connector to all these ideas and practices. Mm, that's Amen. good. You had a quote, you, um, word you give at the end of your book, and we need a revival. Like we yeah. need um, people to see a God that first and foremost brings, that we bring glory and honor to him by loving him, but we also love his people. Yeah. And Amen. that love allows us to step into these dangerous, risky spaces. But we do yes. that not because our hope is in ourselves, our hope is in our own power. Our hope is in a Jesus, one who is returning, but has the power to overcome all things because in some sense he yes. already has. Yeah. Yes. Um, that the That's opportunity good. exists for us. Episode after episode, y'all, we talk about the things that are happening in our culture that are pushing people away from the truth of who Jesus is. Yeah. And may people not leave the faith for our Jesus that is not who Jesus actually Come is. On. May they yes. fall in love with a God who loves them, offers them life, offers them newness, offers them beauty, and offers them life everlasting. Thank mm. you, KB. 
Um, may we Amen. be people who believe and live for a dangerous Jesus. Yes. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This episode is produced by Chelsea Conway and is a production of Good Podcast Company. If you're a regular follower of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can message us on social. Check the show notes for more information on how to best connect with us, as well as connect with our guests and ways to support their work. See y'all next time.